next question I was curious about was like cheating on your partner sex dreams. Mm -hmm. So I've had those and I wake up feeling so guilty that I just enjoyed myself in my dream, but I was like cheating on my partner. And I was like, but what does that mean if you like liked it in your dream, but you knew you were cheating? I feel like a lot of us have had cheating sex dreams. Have right? you? Yeah. <laughs> right. They're one of the right. most common dreams and they're one of the most commonly withheld sex dreams people have. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond, hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers, so we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal, that we are worthy of love and pleasure, and that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? Singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little Ooh! dream of me. I get where you were going. I wasn't going to interrupt because I figured you had somewhere you were going. I always have a plan, except for when I don't. But I just wanted to let you get there and be- it just came out beautifully. Didn't it though? So you're welcome. Uh, you can Venmo me for that performance. Yes. At, I don't know, my Venmo. So <laughs> find me. Find it in the show notes. <laughs> so, Dream a Little Dream of Me works in perfectly because this week we're talking sex dreams yeah, and just are. dreams in general. Yes. So excited. I have always had very graphic dreams. So, yeah. I was so excited to find someone that could help me like figure that shit Work out. Through that. Yeah. Just a little. They're a lot. So. <laughs> Guidance was necessary. So we talk about a different type of dream work, which is what it's called. We actually talk about natural dream work, which is something that you're maybe not expecting. It's not looking for symbols, which is something that Emma and I have both done in the past. Like, what does this bird mean? Why are my teeth falling out? (laughs) That kind of shit. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. And I still really like that kind of dream Mm -hmm. work. But I think that the type of dream work that we talk about today is really powerful in a different way and probably helps you work through more stuff. Totally. Than just figuring out what the bird means. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Totally. But it's also a great tool to use in conjunction. Yes. So this week... We talk with Anne Hottership. So she is a sexuality and relationships educator. She has a private practice where she does coaching work with people in and not in relationships. And one of the tools that she uses is dream work. And dream work helps her to help other people feel better in their skin, get more connected to themselves, have better connections with others, and get a better understanding of their feelings. So that's really what natural dream work is. It has a lot to do with feelings. Mm -hmm. Are you someone that can remember their dreams? Right when I wake up. But if I don't like really sit there and think about it after I wake up, I won't remember it until something triggers it later in the day. And then I have this huge flood of like, holy shit, I can't believe that (laughs) happened. So do you ever like, have you always been someone that likes to like interpret your dreams and look at what they mean? Or have you just recently kind of been interested in that? Um, Not necessarily. I remember I had a friend in high school who started talking to me about lucid dreaming. Oh, uh uh-huh. So for those of you that don't know what lucid dreaming is, it's when you are aware that you are dreaming. And so then you can like do things, you know, with your conscious mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I remember her talking about that and being like, oh, shit, I guess I'd never really thought about 
like using my dreams in any capacity before then. Mm-hmm. So I do have a lot of scary dreams, though. That's yeah. pretty common for me. Yeah. I usually wake up a little scared. A little scared. Yeah. We're scary people. I also have. <laughs> we have scary feelings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is like I have no other way to talk to you about your feelings besides in these dreams. So now there's a massacre and you exactly. have to address them. The one time I've had like awful like horrid dreams but it was just that one night uh-huh. after we had a galentine's day oh my god and that was probably the drunkest i've ever been yeah and i had the worst dreams i've ever had like swimming through dead bodies type Ugh. of dreams and like watching my family get murdered jesus criminy yeah. yeah. I'm so surprised that you were able to like have a dream and remember it from being super drunk. I just pass out and <laughs> I have a good blackout. <laughs> you do have a great memory. It's a little scary. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was super excited to get into dream work. I've been really trying to tap into the dream meanings because Cass and I have coined me as the dream witch because yeah. I, I like that you said the not a the <laughs> I am dream witch. the dream witch <laughs> all right step into your power I, I like am it. well I've always had very vivid dreams I've always been able to remember my dreams and you were really amazed with my power that I can also lucid dream mm-hmm. um it's not super uncommon but <laughs> it is but a fun it, it, I think it is relatively uncommon to do it so naturally yeah and maybe at the age that we are at like i think children it's probably a lot easier i think a lot of children have like out of body experiences in their dreams i don't know where i'm pulling this information from (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i think it's accurate i don't know kids are just more in touch with stuff straight out of your butt but anyways (laughs) i think it's it is special that you do it so often Mm -hmm. without any sort of prep or trying to do so. Interesting. Well, I also do a couple other really fun things in my (laughs) dreams, which I'm very excited for us to get into. Yeah. So we're just going to get into this damn good episode, and we'll see you on the other side. On the other side. Mm -hmm. Dream a little dream of me. (laughs) We're big dreamers over here. Emma's a huge dreamer. (laughs) She's got some very intense dreams, so we definitely want to get into that. But what really Mm -hmm. is the goal of dream work? Well, there's, I will say there's more than one kind. So I'll specify that the kind of dream work I'm trained in is something that has been coined as natural dream work. So it's really uh, less about understanding symbols and trying to sort of decipher dreams by um, the specific things that show Mm -hmm. up in your dream. And instead, we work with the emotions you have throughout the dream itself. And I essentially walk with my clients from beginning to end, asking questions along the way. And the questions are always centered on how you felt at these different components of the dream and how familiar or unfamiliar are those feelings in your waking life with the ultimate goal being among a few things, trying to see what types of emotions you are a little bit less connected to or potentially a little numb from or numb to in your waking life by seeing what does and doesn't feel familiar while you're dreaming and just exploring through kind of piecing some puzzles together um, what the origins of some uh, feelings are, meaning like um, for some folks a certain experience 
in a dream might evoke fear, while for someone else, it might evoke evoke a curiosity. And depending on that person's own unique um, experience, just living through life, that's going to inform the kinds of feelings or emotions that they have from these different experiences. And so it's a lot of, you know, dot connecting and exploration, but really rooted in uh, better understanding and connecting to your emotions. I really like the concept of natural, the the natural work for dream work. Um, I'm sorry, what was the exact term for the one that you specified? Natural dream work is okay. what my teacher calls it, yeah. I like focusing on emotion because usually when I would think of dream work, I think of looking at symbols and trying right. to understand why this like lion popped up over here. <laughs> why is this but, bird here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for people really looking to look deep into their emotions and kind of understand how they come up, um, and then how to, you know, face them if like what you're saying, they feel unfamiliar or scary. I like that concept of looking at your dreams. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I found it's a way to kind of bypass the defense mechanisms mm-hmm. and the, the stories that we tell ourselves when are awake when we are awake because that's still kind of a a control thing. And when we're asleep, our conscious brain isn't active. It's because we're asleep. So our subconscious, the stuff that we're not necessarily as aware of or connected to um, while we're awake kind of gets the floor. And for folks who don't necessarily find benefit from therapeutic work that involves lots of talking, Mm -hmm. um, like for me, I can talk, I have no problem sharing stuff and I don't, I don't need to consistently, you know, hash and rehash stuff. What I do need is help to bypass all that so I can see what I'm just not able to see on my own. I feel like at least I can. I feel like Cass is someone that might be like this too, where we're really like in tune with kind of who we are and like what our emotions mean. Like we kind of are really self-aware. So I like thinking about just bypassing like, no, I get it. So let's look at it now. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's where our conversations go. When Cass and I talk, we're like, I know exactly what my mom said for when I was a child <laughs> and why I feel this way. But now I need to like really look at it head on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I now know. it's like, okay, so you have that experience and you know why that feeling comes up now through the dreams, you get to see all the ways that that feeling or the way that you react to it or don't react to it could actually be informing your current adult life, even though that might've happened, you know, 20 years ago. And it just gives you some additional information uh, about you as you are today so that you can um, navigate everything thrown at you with some additional awareness and tools. I love that. It really reminds me like kind of going off of what was, what Emma was saying. (laughs) What's my name? What's your name? Who are you? (laughs) Where am I? Uh, (laughs) I've been really trying to acknowledge when I am triggered, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. like think about how I'm feeling and then journal about it um, so that I can just kind of try and be aware of what's going on and what it could possibly be connected to. But I feel like what you're explaining is on such like a deeper level because I know even when I'm, you know, acknowledging my triggers, I still have you know, my ego's involved and all of these other things are preventing me from seeing things that could really benefit me that I'm maybe just not allowing myself to or not feeling ready mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. So I love totally. that that can be done while you're sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as a dream work practitioner, how does that work with the people who come to see you? Or is their job to like immediately journal down their dreams that they had that night and then bring them to you? Or is there other types of tools so that they really remember you know, all the emotion and like that was in their dream when they talked to you. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And honestly, there is no one way to do it. The most effective way, I suppose, is as soon as you can, when you wake up to, you know, before you check your phone or do other things that can kind of suck you in, um, write down as much as you can from your dream. And it's okay if you want to write down your dream as if it was a narrative. I write mine down as though like I'm telling a story, Mm. but if you also can remember how you feel when you also are writing it, like right when you wake up, just to jot it down somewhere, uh, you don't, it, it's just nice because then you don't have to keep it in your head. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, uh, most folks will email it to me ahead of time, but I don't read it ahead of time. So when the session starts, we do a, a quick check-in. And then I just read the dream out loud line by line. And when there's a point where I have a question or I'm curious about something, then I'll ask that and the person will answer and then we just kind of keep going and I uh, see where some connections can get made and I might ask some additional questions. Usually the client will make a connection from one of the connections I made and then start sharing something that they didn't think was relevant but now notice a similarity between mm-hmm. how they felt in the dream and then how they feel when they think about that memory or when they think about that topic Mm -hmm. and then we just keep going. So really it's very much a, you know, side by side guided type of practice. It's not like I read it ahead of time and come to some conclusions and and then I just wait for the the person to figure it out on their own. Um, I'm just as clueless. (laughs) If anything, my clients know way more than I do. And I am just um, there to sort of help, I don't know, move some, some things out of the way or maybe adjust where the spotlight is shining so that they can get a little bit more perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, usually we get, a, depending on how detailed the dream was and how much the person likes to talk, usually it's one dream for about an hour, maybe 50 minutes. And, uh, and then I offer some takeaways in an email later where I just kind of bullet point some key things that stood out so that they, can, they have something to refer to afterward. Well, that sounds great. I wouldn't, you would not be able, no one would be able to follow my dreams. I feel like we'd move through them. And does it ever happen that way when you're like walking through a dream and you're like, okay, so you're here. And then all of a sudden they're like at the zoo naked. I don't know. Like you just, there's no linear path for people in their dreams. So it's really hard to understand where it's going. Well, you know, I have to say that is something that like using a conscious logic brain, you would think about dreams, but dreams aren't linear and they're not logical and they're not literal. So right away, all of those types of confines just get thrown out the window and dreams do jump all over the damn place and they are super random and they don't make sense necessarily on a like linear narrative level because that's not what they are and Mm -hmm. it's not, that's not the point. So when things do jump, usually, but not always, depending on the person, if there was a dramatic shift from one thing to another in the dream part of the exploration is, so what were you feeling before the shift? And then what did you feel after that shift? And just to kind of see interesting. So if the beginning of the dream, things felt really tranquil and you were kind of excited and maybe you were, you know, waiting for someone to come out of the house because you were excited to go for a walk with them. And then all of a sudden you looked to your left and there were a bunch of army tanks and elephants wearing helmets, and you realized you were actually in the middle of a war with aliens. Mm-hmm. Now you were feeling fear, and the, that excitement and curiosity was gone. So, for example, we might explore 
is there anything about the idea of impending connection with another human that could um, like notice before the person came out, you were very excited for it, but right when they were about to actually show up, now suddenly you were in a terrifying, dangerous, threatening environment. Is there anything about the thought of relationship or connection with someone that could have some fear in there? And if so, where's the threat? Let's explore that a little bit more. Because sometimes when there's a big dramatic transition in the dream, there's usually a big dramatic transition in the feeling as well. And so Mm -hmm. we use that as a guiding point. Wow. That just blew Cass and I's mind. (laughs) That's, I love, I really, it's a really interesting way to look at it too, because you think that these jumps are, you know, not important and it's just nonsensical. Exactly. Um, But I really like that way of looking at it, being a very emotional person, (laughs) thinking about emotion in my dream has never been something that came to my head, but I'm sure I have a lot of it. So looking at it more of like, what is the shift between those two scenarios? Um, I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And and also just to really hammer home the fact that all of this is nonsensical. Right. Like dreams are nonsensical and it's okay and part of the deal. So just like throwing away any of that desire to make sense of the dream is including trying to make sense of the transition, honestly, Mm -hmm. is there's no point. It's more about just recognizing that if there's a big transition in the dream, it just means that the dream is happening and we don't have to put any other meaning on it. Mm -hmm. And instead, we just have to ask ourselves open-ended, open-minded questions like, what was I feeling? And then just write those dreams, uh, write those Mm -hmm. emotions down. And the real thing that to keep in mind with anyone who dreams, whether you're wanting to do dream work or you're just maybe writing your dreams down because they're interesting, is just to pay attention to the fact that we are the ultimate biased party when it comes Mm -hmm. to interpreting or thinking about our own dreams. And it's really easy to come to conclusions. I know exactly what this is about. I know exactly. I was I had a, that dream again where I'm in the front of the classroom. It's because I, I hate talking in front of people. I know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't need to do dream work because I already figured it out. <laughs> I will say I often have had some clients who will come to me and they will say, you know, I'm pretty sure I know what this already is about, but I just, just to see like what you say, let's see. And because there is no rule about dreams having to mean only one thing, mm-hmm. to, Depending on the way you're working with it and who you're working with on it, you're going to probably uncover some other things that you wouldn't have necessarily saw for yourself because, again, your conscious brain is in charge while you're trying to self-interpret all of these things. Mm -hmm. So automatically you're going to be missing stuff just because you're already putting stories and meaning onto the things. Right. I am (laughs) trying to process all of this. I love it. Um, and you kind of got to this a little bit, but what I'm wondering is for people who are interested in this work and maybe a little hesitant, you Mm -hmm. mentioned one question they could start asking, like, how do, how did I feel? Do you have any other like general questions that we could start asking ourselves to just kind of start this work? Totally. I mean, ask, writing down, asking yourself, like, how did I feel? What am I feeling? And just writing that down. And then if you notice if one of the things you're feeling is judgmental or shame, then to also ask yourself, am I feeling that as a result of remembering my dream Mm -hmm. or 
was there something in the dream where I remember feeling shame about? And potentially that could be both, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just asking, you know, what's, how familiar is this feeling is another good follow-up question. If I remember in this dream that I felt really, really nervous, the kind of nervous that like makes me kind of barf a little bit, (laughs) then I just think about, you know, when's the last time I felt barfy nervous Mm -hmm. and how familiar is barfy nervous and what are the scenarios and situations I can remember feeling that kind of barfy nervous. Mm -hmm. And again, this writing that down without any kind of desire of trying to then like tie it with a nice neat bow Mm -hmm. so that you can understand it. Cause that's really not the goal. Um, it's just to get some feedback and some information about it. Um, so for example, if you remember the last time you felt barfy nervous was right before, um, I don't know, visiting someone in the hospital, uh, you get to then just recognize like, Oh, okay. This kind of nervousness isn't just about being in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. This is the same feeling, but in other contexts and scenarios as well. So I just need to be open to the reality that this this emotion isn't exclusively connected to fear of crowds or public speaking. Right. Another quick example is this idea of uh, shame or feeling embarrassed. A lot of people, especially when it comes to sex, there's this feeling as though like the, the concept of or the experience of being rejected in a sexual scenario or situation is somehow 10 times more intense or 10 times worse than the shame or embarrassment I might feel like tripping up the stairs at the library mm. <laughs> when the reality <laughs> is it's the same feeling. Right. But it's the context around you that intensifies it because of I mean, all kinds of potential factors. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, is there trauma involved? Have you experienced some kind of trauma related to sex that you have not experienced related right. to libraries or stairs? Is there um, something, are there additional feelings combined with that sense of shame that are missing from a library stairwell because you're not having sex with someone in that stairwell potential or like yeah. yeah. you're tripping up it. That might yeah. not be why you fell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Unless it's the whole reason and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. To yeah. Have, and but, it's um, got a lot going on. It's yeah. just, it just gives you a lot more uh, context and information because mm. sometimes we just really oversimplify our emotions and explain them away and intellectualize them in ways that just don't serve us in mm-hmm. any way. Right. Totally. I really like earlier you said, you know, this is about getting to know yourself better. And I feel like it's kind of shifting that idea of like, this isn't about understanding myself completely. This is just about getting to know myself better, getting to know these emotions better. So I think that's a really good shift to have, not trying to, you know, make it, tie it up in a nice bow and make it small and easy. We are not small or easy. We're not small and easy. (laughs) No, I think the word understand, again, as someone who, I was a former journalist, facts and research are my jam. I love it, you know, science and prove it, please, all day. <laughs> um, the word understand is, it, it, I don't know, it's so powerful because it's sort of like, if it's conditional, it's like, if I can understand this, then I can accept it. Or mm-hmm. if I can understand it, then I'll feel safe and okay. Mm-hmm. But then it puts way too much pressure on this concept of understanding. Mm-hmm. And there are just some things that we just don't understand And we don't actually have to understand it to be able to respect it and accept it and move forward. Mm -hmm. And my favorite example is 
gravity. <laughs> Research scientists yeah. are very open and vocal about how they do not fucking get gravity. <laughs> they don't understand it. They research it and they just do not fully understand it. But does that mean that they don't believe gravity is a thing or that gravity is stupid? No. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they accept it and respect that something is, you know, keeping all of us on the ground and that thing is gravity and they don't fully get it. And maybe they never will, but that doesn't necessarily start making them think that they can fly. They just need to figure out how. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that brings so much peace to your mind, too, about, you know, like I don't fucking get it, but it's a fact and <laughs> I just need to be OK with it. And I'm just learning more about myself. Um, I love your gravity comparison. I think that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the thing that we're most excited about. Um, sex dreams. So mm-hmm. you work with sex dreams. Can you tell us a little bit about like why we have them? I don't know. Just you go off. <laughs> Anything well, about we have, yeah. we have sex dreams because we have dreams mm-hmm. and the emotions that are, surround sex, which is, um, it, you know, n- including but not limited to joy, pleasure, nervousness, fear, excitement, letting go, freedom, connection, love, safety, unsafety. Wow. So all, all of, of them. Has to do with sex. You know, that's all the stuff ha- that, that is, you know, related to sex. And so sex dreams are things that people have because the concept or the act of sex is a beautiful conduit for that casserole of emotions. Mm-hmm. So when somebody has a sex dream, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is particularly, you know, uh, aroused or kinky or hypersexual or whatever meanings people mm-hmm. tend to put on having a sex dream. It just means your subconscious was like, mm, mm-hmm. we need to have a talk about shame and connection and fear of commitment. Let's see, you know, what can we put together tonight? Let's do the <laughs> checkout guy at Trader Joe's. Let's put it in like middle school biology classroom with Mr. Watson. <laughs> Let's have this person have sex with Mr. Watson for a little while and then have their mom walk into the classroom and then notice that they have an audience behind them. Oh, my God. Like you're in my head last night. (laughs) Um, And of course, that's like a silly, you know, like a funny example. But it's just sort of like, again, dreams are not literal, linear or logical. So there isn't a meaning if you're fucking Mr. Watson in your dream, that does not mean that you secretly are in love with Mr. Watson, that you need to go find Mr. Watson or that you need to feel ashamed because now Mr. Watson has cheated on their, you know, partner with you in their dream. Like that's, that's the stuff that tends to send people spinning when they have a Mm -hmm. sex dream. And then they don't ever want to tell anybody that they had one Mm -hmm. and definitely don't want to do any dream work about it because heaven forbid all those secrets that will come out, you know, (laughs) that's just not how dreams work. And especially is not how sex dreams work. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually sex dreams themselves also aren't even necessarily overtly sexual in the sense that like the, the takeaway from that dream that where you got, you know, spanked by that celebrity that you <laughs> had a crush on in middle school doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your love of impact play. It actually could have a whole lot to do with uh, letting go or with control or lack thereof, mm-hmm. or it could have a variety of other uh, takeaways depending on how that person felt during before, during and after those specifically sexual parts of the dream. 
Right. So there's not like one, there are a lot, a lot of um, writers and a lot of, you know, out, news outlets or magazines online really want to just have a very quick, like, what does it mean if you're having sex upside down? What does it mean <laughs> if you were getting a blowjob? What does it mean? Blah, 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 blah. And you can kind of generally give some explanations, but dreams are so unique and individual to each person. So personally, I don't like the idea of a one size fits all explanation Mm -hmm. for things, especially when it comes to sex dreams. It's just too simple. Yeah. And I think doesn't do the dream or the person enough justice. Mm -hmm. So sex doesn't like that's was our next question was like sex doesn't always mean sex or does it? And I like the natural dream work way of approaching it. It's like, but what did you feel? And Mm -hmm. it's this way of communicating that emotion to you. So maybe the best way it could have communicated it to you was through this like sexual sex scenario. Between Um, Mr. Watson. Between Mr. Watson, you, (laughs) your crowd, your mom. (laughs) Um, But you're really looking at the emotion. And I like that because I think the next question I was curious about was like cheating on your partner sex dreams. Mm -hmm. So I've had those and I wake up feeling so guilty that I just enjoyed myself in my dream. (laughs) I was like cheating on my partner and I was like, but what does that mean? If you like liked it in your dream, but you knew you were cheating. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) did I cheat? (laughs) Did I cheat? And it's, it's a lot to think about. I I feel like a lot of us have had cheating sex dreams. Have you? (laughs) Right. They're one of the most common dreams and they're one of the most commonly withheld sex dreams people have because of all of the things that you just said. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that thought spiral you went down while you were even describing your uh, experience having woken up from a sex dream like that? Yeah. (laughs) I did, didn't I? (laughs) So much guilt, so much shame. You You made a whole story about it. You know, as if you had actually done something. Right. And that's so common. And that's what keeps us usually from writing stuff down. It definitely keeps people from calling me and making an appointment because they're really worried that this is just deep, dark secrets hidden in your insides and your dreams are there revealing them. How dare they? Mm -hmm. You know, if you dream it again, it's not logical. It's not literal and it's not linear. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on it's not literal. Right. So if you're cheating on someone, so for example, if you're having sex with someone who's not your current partner, you're not cheating on anybody. You're having Mm -hmm. a sex dream about someone, right? Mm -hmm. right? There's no cheating there because in the dream world, you're not betrothed in a monogamous relationship. You're just you. Mm -hmm. That's true. So it's really important to keep that in mind because usually we end up missing the point because we're too wrapped with fake, you know, self-imposed guilt and shame to actually be able to consider what that dream could possibly even be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like thinking about it. Like you're not, you're not your life in your dream. Mm-hmm. Like you are you and your subconscious and that's how your dream is working. Um, like as you're just you. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not in a relationship in my dream. <laughs> no, you are just you. You're at your most, you know, open state because it's, it's not a, it's not the role you're playing or the projection you want people to, see of you while you're doing your thing during the day it is like the most the truest most unadulterated unjudged form of yourself mm-hmm. and your dreams are just manif- like manifestations of of emotions that your subconscious wants you to feel more or to be mm-hmm. more aware of and it's out of a um genuine 
source or place of love. Like your, my dream teacher likes to say your dreams just fucking love you. Your <laughs> dreams are not trying to scold you or shame you or, or make you relive those awful things because your subconscious secretly hates you. They, it, your subconscious loves you so much that it doesn't want you to stay stuck. It doesn't want you to keep doing the same things over and over again, getting stuck in those same patterns or being completely numbed out or unable to really feel your feelings because the consequence of that is it's hard to connect with other people and feel the kind of connection that you are desperately striving for. And so your subconscious is just like, let's help, help a sister out, you know? (laughs) And if you wake up and you're like, that was fuck, fuck that. Nope. And you just immediately have a you know bloody Mary and then you <laughs> go on with your day. Like your subconscious is not going to be like, Oh, well, I'm going to punish you for not doing it right today. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, sh- nope. She's just couldn't do it. Let's try again in a couple weeks or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and I, I will also say I like to personify all of my organs and components. And so I treat my subconscious like a friend, literally say, like with a calendar scheduling. Let's see what she, how she can handle oh. this next Thursday. That's <laughs> not like literally what's going on, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the ways um, I am able to um, feel connected to the parts of my body that are hard to connect to. I just mm-hmm. picture them as we're friends. We're all roommates. We live together. We didn't necessarily choose each other, but like, I have to also give them the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. that they're doing their best and they're there to serve me in some way, even though it's easy for me to transform that story into something, you know, nefarious or negative. Right. Wow. Well, I really like um, looking at your dreams from that perspective, and I definitely want to take that into consideration from here on out. But how would you say, because we saw with your work that you say that um, dream work really can improve your own like sex and your pleasure. So how Mm -hmm. does that benefit you in your waking life then? Well, basically the way it can benefit your sex and pleasure is by seeing like what is currently potentially blocking you from enjoying sex or accessing pleasure. And I use the word pleasure specifically as all forms of pleasure, not Mm -hmm. how it tends to be used as like a euphemism for sex Uh um, or orgasm because pleasure is not overtly sexual at all. Um, Though of course it can be a part of sex if that's something, if that's what your, your goal is. Um, so understanding, usually what will happen is like you will have a dream where you, you for example, um, were really excited about something or you were having a really good time. Maybe, uh, I don't know, you were um, at the circus and you were watching a bunch of um, lions jumping through hoops or you were having sex with Mr. Watson in biology and you were having <laughs> a fucking great time. Those are all experiences of joy and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thinking about depending on the dream, you know, did that sense of joy and pleasure and fun go away at any point? Was it hard to get there? Did something else, did someone walk in the room while you were with Mr. Watson and then suddenly it became shame and embarrassment? That person walking in the room is a representation of the the thing that prevents you from accessing joy and pleasure and fun when you're awake. Mm. So then you get to think about a little bit more. Okay. Who was that person who walked in the room with me and Mr. Watson? Was it my aunt? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's my relationship to my aunt? Right. Do we have one? What does she, you know, I think about Mm -hmm. my aunt and I think about, you know, she was the one who actually always punished me because my mom couldn't do it. Or my, my aunt was the one who actually raised me because my mom was working all the time. Okay. Well, your aunt seems to represent some kind of like responsibility or authority. Mm -hmm. So, 
how, when does that aunt like authority pop up and ruin all your fun when you're awake? And then you get to realize like, well, that I am the aunt. Mm -hmm. I'm also Mr. Watson. I'm also myself having sex with Mr. Watson. Mm -hmm. So now I get to think about the ways that I seek out pleasure. I get to think about the ways I receive it. And I get to think about the ways I police it. And now that I have a little bit of context, next time I notice my aunt, you know, my hypothetical or my symbolic aunt coming into the bedroom when I'm about to uh, take my clothes off, what can I do to work around that? What can I do to talk to that aunt? And I get to say, I, I understand like the impulse right now is I shouldn't do this because I didn't finish mm-hmm. my work or mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff that has to get cleaned in the kitchen or whatever it is, but I can, I don't have to deal with that now. Thank you aunt for coming in to keep me accountable, but also this isn't the appropriate time. I am allowed to have fun and this is my choice. I'm going to have fun right now. Mm -hmm. I love that. We have heard before like that everything in your dream is like you, everything is like a representation of you, Mm -hmm. but I love adding on that extra layer of like, you know, this is how you police yourself. Like this is you receiving pleasure. Like that I don't know, just added like this whole extra like, holy shit. (laughs) No, for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes sense because I find myself when I I am awake and if I'm, you know, having sex and I get distracted or I automatically like somehow I get out of the mood, like things just shift or can shift really fast for me. And Mm -hmm. looking at that emotion, I don't know. So you just tied a really like straight line for me in a way of how I can start looking at my emotions and how they play into my waking life and using my dreams to kind of understand myself. I don't know. It's coming out weird. (laughs) I know (laughs) it's coming out jumbled, but it's because I'm like just now coming to like when you're talking, coming to this realization about how you can really utilize your dreams and your emotions. That's so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, And just to keep in mind, like, yes, the things in our dreams are all representations of ourselves, but it's not like in a compartmentalized way where like your aunt is your policeman and then Mm -hmm. your Mr. Watson is your inner biology science geek. And then, you know, it's not really (laughs) like that. It's more about like, for example, (laughs) I worked with someone who had a sex dream about having sex with their boss in a hotel room in Las Vegas. And this person then, you know, I asked them, what's your relationship to your boss? What's your boss like? And they're like, I fucking hate her. She <laughs> is such an asshole. She fucking tells me what to do. She's so disrespectful. She always says no. She knows, you know, she runs everything. She's a control freak, all the things. And, of course, lots of, you know, judgmental stuff, but really wanting to get to the root of, well, what are the behaviors she's doing? What is it that you're judging so much about her? And it's it turned out that this person had a sense of confidence and authority and like really strong boundaries. Like, no, you can't do that kind of an attitude. And in in a way this person was actually envious because they wished that they had at least a percentage of that kind of authority in them. And they had a hard time telling people what to do or having a sense of authority or responsibility. And as we walked through the dream, there was this element of, you know, you're really enjoying, you're really connected to your boss in the stream. You're having a really good time and you're like ravaging your boss. Think of it this way. Like what, what would it be like to 
incorporate or to allow in a little bit of your symbolic boss into your life. Mm-hmm. You know, what is keeping you from you, you say you want to be able to feel confidence in an authority role. Totally. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. What could you in your, you know, subconsciously you're into it. You love that sense of authority. You literally are like wanting to fuck it all night long <laughs> in your dream. So you definitely don't hate it mm-hmm. and you don't fear it. Right. At least it, it, maybe consciously you do, but subconsciously you're super down. So, you know, <laughs> let's explore that a little bit to see what are some elements potentially about your boss that you judge secretly because you kind of want some. And could you, t- you know, let's dip your toe in. Let's see, like, you know, how would it feel just to say no to something, you know, that you don't, that you genuinely want it, don't want to do once a week instead of saying, you know, yes, because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or, or whatever it might be. So even though yes, her subconscious made up the boss, the, the, the subconscious potentially used the boss as a representation of something that she needs to get more connected to when she's awake. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And it's just such a helpful tool for yourself. I, it's fan, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. <laughs> Emma has some very specific oh. <laughs> dreams that I want her to just a type about. of dream. Yeah, I, I do. So I have had in the past like orgasm dreams, and I mm-hmm. I have an entire full orgasm. I wake up feeling like I just had an orgasm. It's a. I wish I had them more. They're fantastic <laughs> dreams. I guess I don't really know if I. Is that a good, is that normal? Like, is that actual, like, am I having an orgasm? Is it just the feeling that I should be looking at? Like, how can I interpret those dreams through this natural dream work? Well, I think a lot of those questions I can't answer for you. That's fair. (laughs) And I think, and also some of those questions are rooted in a little bit of, you know, fear, understandably. Mm -hmm. Um, All dreams, if the dream is happening, then it's normal. Right. So... That's a useless question. No judgment. I just like to call certain (laughs) questions useless because it disempowers those questions real fast. Right, right. Um, Because they're technically not helpful, you know, Mm -hmm. because really you're not you don't want an answer. You want me to say that you are normal. Don't worry. You know what I mean? Right. And technically no one can actually tell us that because there's no such thing Mm -hmm. really as normal. Um, But if you're having them and you're enjoying them and you feel great when you wake up, do you need to know anything more than that? Yeah, I mean, that would be the first question, mm -hmm. you know, and also that's technically a wet dream, which everybody has, but we only ever talk about the kinds of wet dreams associated with penises and puberty. And so because we don't really see it represented anywhere else, when it happens to us as adulthood and we don't, or in adulthood and we don't actually have a penis ourselves, it can feel kind of worrisome. Like, what is this? You know? Oh my God, um, you're so right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I did not tie that together that that's totally... For a sex podcast, how yeah. did we not? <laughs> <laughs> but because it's like different and I'm a woman, I never thought about the fact that a wet dream could be possible for me because I've never yeah. heard it before, ever. I've never heard a wet dream talked about for somebody with a vagina. No, never. Yeah. yeah. You're just having an orgasm while you're asleep. And it sounds like something is happening in your body where it's really feeling safe and able to connect to that feeling in a way that doesn't require direct physical stimulation, mm-hmm. you know, which is something really, you know, important to connect to because orgasms are happen in our brains. They don't happen in 
in a clitoris or in a hand touching a penis, you know, orgasms happen in the brain. So if you're able to remember the dream itself Mm -hmm. or uh, other parts of the dream, or if all you're able just to remember is that you feel fantastic when you wake up and you might have to change your underwear, then like (laughs) that's that's enough of an interpretation, you know? Right. Oh my God. I have like super power. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quick. Quick. Oh, I love that. That's crazy. I I just can't believe we've never thought about that. I've told you, Cass, about my dreams. I know. (laughs) I've, I've literally never heard wet dreams talked about in any other context than for pubescent people with penises. Yeah. That's literally the extent of that. So that was Mm -hmm. a knowledge bomb. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm glad I asked. Glad Cass made me ask. Yeah. (laughs) One thing we're kind of wondering, I guess it starts to move out of sex dreams a little bit, but I would argue that some of the sex dreams I've had are nightmarish. And just like that Mm -hmm. idea of a nightmare. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, nightmares are sometimes a little subjective, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately a nightmare is like a dream where you felt really, you know, a lot of fear or you felt mm-hmm. unsafe. And for some people, a nightmare is, you know, being in front of the class and realizing you're not wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. For other people, a nightmare is I'm being chased by someone with a knife and they actually stabbed my butt while I was running. Mm-hmm. For other people, the nightmare is reliving an actual trauma that happened in their waking life and there's no hierarchy of course um but nightmares play a role just like your other dreams do and i think some people when they describe having nightmares or recurring dreams or excuse me recurring nightmares they feel really angry and they feel really frustrated as though you know what the fuck brain like Mm -hmm. why why are you making me go through this as though there's like a nefarious intent about you know causing this dream so that they have a shitty night sleep, um, which of course isn't it. Um, a lot of, not all, but s- some nightmares we have are rooted in some kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that some, if, t- if you had a nightmare, then something horribly traumatic happened to you. It's not like a correlated thing or excuse me, a causational mm-hmm. thing like that. But um, we all experience trauma throughout our lives in some way. And nightmares tend to center fear and lack of safety. And so we can absolutely work with them. We will probably work with them with a little bit more sensitivity um, and awareness, but we absolutely can work with them. Um, The goal of working with them is not to make them go away because it's not really how that works. But with dreams, often the the feelings that we feel most intensely in some of the dreams are potentially some of the feelings that we are most numbed out by when we are awake. And for a lot of people, fear is something that we are disconnected from because we have to be. Mm-hmm. We can't if we're terrified, it doesn't make it easy to then like get dressed, get on the subway and go to work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, make your boss a ton of money and then get back on the subway and go home and have pizza. <laughs> you know, like fear and living experiencing that isn't conducive to participating in, you know, a capitalist type society. Mm-hmm. And so um when we are kind of disconnected from that those feelings, it may, it's going to make them feel very intense when we're having them when we're sleeping. Um, but I will say, you know, not all nightmares mean that the thing you're going to be working through is something potentially traumatic or hard. Right. I am someone that gets very aggressive and like very violent bad dreams when I have them. And then Mm -hmm. I wake up 
and like I tell my mom and <laughs> I feel very like poor me and then I don't really think about it anymore because I'm like, oh, that was really scary thing that happened to me. I'm not going to think about it. Like my mind is just crazy at night or something. Um, and not saying that I have to like them, but I do <laughs> like your approach of like, but if I had to look at this head on and if I had to assume that this could have any cr- like correlation with like another type of emotion or another type of scenario, what would you think about? And then thinking about them a little bit more rather than being scared of them and wanting not to think about them again. Um, so I like that we talked about nightmares too, because that's definitely something that I deal with more often than good dreams. So more often than the wet dreams, mm-hmm. more often than my wet dreams. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think of it like, I mean, this is just coming to my head now. So take it uh, how you would like, but you know, it's almost like two opposite ends of a spectrum. You have your wet dream where you, your body is, completely in a state of pleasure and receiving and letting go. Cause that's what an orgasm ultimately is the ultimate, like letting go of all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fully embody feeling the embodied experience of pleasure. And then the nightmare is like, you are afraid or in danger and you aren't able to actually receive or experience pleasure when you are in a fight flight mm-hmm. type of fear response. Right. So it's, it's, and you're feeling each of them incredibly intensely, which would make sense if you feel things intensely, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I would just, you know, also suggest unsolicited, of course, but I feel like you'd be (laughs) open to it. (laughs) You, you when you think about your nightmares, nothing technically happened to you. Right. And there's nothing sad or, you know, you don't have to feel like a victim that something wrong or bad has happened to you because you had a nightmare. Mm -hmm. You really do get to just say that was really upsetting Mm -hmm. that was a really upsetting way to spend my evening or my night and I am gonna be fucking tired today and that sucks Mm -hmm. and I definitely don't like it but I just get to really be kind to myself like yeah that was really hard so I'm gonna I'm gonna have some more protein with breakfast (laughs) or I'm you know I'm gonna wear comfy pants with a stretchy waistband Mm -hmm. or I'm going to um I don't know what you can do work from home. I guess we're all doing that now, but right. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my own friend because I had a hard evening. And mm-hmm. if I want to, I can write it down so it doesn't have to live in my head because mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, I'm just not going to think about it. Doesn't actually ever work. If right. anything, mm-hmm. it assures that you're going to think about it. Yeah. At just at a later time and at a really inconvenient time, like right before I'm about to go to bed the next time. That makes total sense. And fuck, that's a lot of good stuff to work on. I think that I'm really excited that we got to talk about natural dream work. Yeah, this is fantastic. Um, But we have reached the part in our episode where we like to do homework for honeys. Where we like to talk about one actionable step that we can all take from today's conversation and start implementing it in our life. So, Anne, would you do the honor of assigning some homework for today? <laughs> sure. I think that just staying on theme for the episode, mm-hmm. when you're in a situation where you're feeling really activated, whether it's when you just woke up from a really intense dream or someone said something to you and you were like, what the fuck? Or you got that <laughs> email that sent your body into tingles. Before you act or react, just do a quick check-in. How, how do I feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I feel hot? Do I feel pissed off? Do I feel really afraid? Do I just, just to do a quick check-in first mm-hmm. and then ask the next question, what do I need to feel 
more grounded in this. Mm -hmm. So that might be, I need to leave this room. That might mean I need to go, uh, I I need to think something else. So I'm going to go look at a cat photo. Um, (laughs) I may, I need something to eat. Clearly I am really hangry, you know, whatever it might be. And it just, it's a way to give yourself a little bit more support and connect a little bit more to your physical and emotional feeling in the situation before you react or respond. Um, because when you give yourself a minute to really see what you're actually feeling or what's actually going on, it's probably going to change the way that you ultimately act or respond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I need that. I need that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. That is timely. Yeah. <laughs> How can our listeners continue to connect with you after the episode? Yeah, well, um, they can go to my website, anhottership.com, explains a little bit more about DreamWork and some of the mm-hmm. other services I offer. And if anybody is interested, they can easily, without having to talk to anybody or, or do any extra work, you can just book a session right there. Um, so right on the impulse, just book it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can follow me on Instagram at the Ann Hodder. And uh, if they are interested at some point in anything related specifically to sex or sexuality education, they can follow my education org. Everyone deserves sex ed. And instead of O-N-E, it's the number one. And they can go to everyonedeservesexed.com to little, learn a little bit more about the trainings that I offer. Perfect. And we'll have all of that linked in the show notes. So mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay, Thank you so Thank much, you so Ange. Much. Start it with the ending of the song. I don't know the ending. End of it the with song. the ending of the song. I don't know the ending of the song either. Let's just breeze past that. Yep. Thank you so much to Anne for being on the episode today and imparting all of that wisdom about how to start interpreting our dreams to give ourselves a little bit of emotional intelligence and give ourselves, yeah, heal, better sex life. Like, fuck yeah. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. Yeah. And if you have a few minutes, head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me Podcast. Helps us so much. And we just love you so much. So... Sure Let's do. make this a reciprocal relationship. Give us something. <laughs> give give me something. <laughs> We've been giving it's you all of this. Literally about time. No, just kidding. You don't. I you digress. Don't do something that you don't want to do, but <laughs> you should want to do this. Yeah. All right. I'm anyway. done. <laughs> Bye. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> dream a little dream of me tonight, honey. <laughs> I don't know. You did it first. <laughs> <laughs>